This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd ask you to take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. And we're going to look at chapter 25, Proverb 25. Pastor changed the first congregational song and uh, talked about worries and and fears and, and frets. I guarantee you, had he asked the question, who in here has worries and troubles and hardships. Every hand would have gone up to some degree. And we've seen a lot, and of course I, I know just a handful of, of struggles and, and, uh, that folks are, are dealing with, certainly not what, what Pastor uh, understands and, and knows. But uh, there are many of you that I just pray for in a very special way because I understand at least a little bit of struggle and uh, hardship that you're facing. Um, And those times can be confusing, can't they? Our minds are opened up to a lot of different thoughts, tempting thoughts, devilish thoughts, thoughts from the enemy. And I hope to look into the scripture this morning and Give us some some truths that will help us understand several things and remind us, I'll say nothing this morning that you don't already know. I just hope the Spirit of God will use it and open our hearts to it in a fresh way that will encourage and strengthen us. We've come through a wonderful year. We've seen some wonderful things. um, And I look forward to the next year that's coming. We don't need to miss a beat. We don't need to... Slow the stride, we need to to keep moving forward and always advancing, moving forward. Uh, Along the way, there have been some some heartaches and there have been some hurts and there's reason, there's purpose. And if you would, just look with me in verse number 4 of chapter 25. And I'll read just verse 4 for now. You know, the Proverbs are full of just short Statements, pithy statements that are chock full of truth. Um, Principles that can be applied to life and that we can use to to guide us in our decisions. We look to the Lord for wisdom and the Bible tells us that wisdom is the principal thing and get wisdom. Uh, James tells us that if we lack wisdom we can ask of God and, and God will give wisdom to us and upbraid us not. He wants us to have wisdom. The greatest thing that we can perhaps pray for is is the wisdom of God. And as Pastor said, we can't learn wisdom, true wisdom, outside of God's Word. That's what makes it so important for us. That's why when anyone stands behind the pulpit, and I'm thankful that our pastor preaches the Bible, that's what we need. It's the Scripture. It's the Word of God. And it's powerful. And so we sometimes look to Proverbs for wisdom and making decisions. And boy, the book of Proverbs covers many topics. 
But I just want to read one verse. You follow along with me and then I'll pray and we'll jump right in. Verse 4 says, Take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. The title of my message this morning is A Vessel for the Finer. A Vessel for the Finer. Will you pray with me please? Lord, thank you for the privilege to preach. And I pray that you would please empower me. I pray that you'd guide my thoughts and all of the things that you've led me in and, and had me think of and even the, the struggle with it. I, I pray, God, that uh, I would be out of your way and that you would use me as a tool to speak to your people and to encourage and to strengthen. I especially pray for those that may not know you as Savior. They know about you, but they don't know you personally as their Savior. And I pray that you would lovingly challenge their hearts and help them to see the need of calling on you personally to be their Savior. I pray for those who are in the midst of the battle and struggling, faint and weak, though a smile on the face and a firm handshake or hug. God, they're hurting. And I pray that you would give strength and vision, wisdom. And I pray that as we leave here today that we will have met with you and you with us and that a work of your Holy Spirit will have been done. We thank you for these young men who will be preaching in after the lunch and we ask you to bless and use them in a powerful way that you would strengthen and guide them. And Lord, that what we hear today would indeed be for this hour and exactly what we need. And I pray it for Jesus' sake and in His name. Amen. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Throughout the Scriptures, as you read and as you learn of the Scriptures, silver, of course, is mentioned hundreds of times. In verse 5 of Proverbs 25, it gives us kind of the application or an application of verse number 4. It says, Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. And so speaking of uh, the, the silver being a righteous kingdom, a righteous nation, and would to God that He would grant to us to have a righteous nation once again as we've known it or read about it in the past. And of course that comes from our leaders knowing the Lord and those that they surround themselves with knowing the Lord and having sound understanding of scriptural truth and being able to uh, point our leaders and encourage our leaders in, in that direction. And what a, what a wonderful day that would be to live and to understand a righteous kingdom. Now don't get me wrong, we still live in a wonderful nation and we still have the freedom to do just this, to be able to open up the scriptures and to read them, to preach them, to share them with other people. And we have been talking about that in uh, our Sunday, many of our Sunday school classes, showing and sharing our faith. The most precious gift that you can share with people is the gift of Christ. It's the gift of faith in Him. And aren't you glad that it's not dependent upon you? That gift that you and I received was not dependent upon us, but upon the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. And we're thankful for that. And so we see an application of this silver, this dross that we, uh, that we read in verse number 4. But it's also used in the Bible as, as money to trade with, to use. Um, you remember it was the price of Christ's betrayal, 30 
pieces of silver. It's used as vessels. Uh, they made many times cups and bowls and different types of utensils, some for the temple and other for, for use, but they made vessels from silver. In Scripture, a lot of times, silver is used symbolically. There are uh, symbolic meanings when it's, when it's used, as is in verse number 4. But we see it in Psalm 12 and verse 6. God likens the purity of silver uh, purified seven times to the purity of the Word of God. The purity of God's Word. By the way, we have the pure Word of God. And we can trust it. We can depend on it. We can believe it. We can live by it. In Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 8 and Proverbs 16, God uh, compares the value of wisdom to the value of silver. And so we see many applications and symbolisms of the use of silver. Proverbs chapter 10, the Bible says, The tongue of the just is as choice silver. The tongue of the just. Right words. Using our words correctly. Using our words to encourage. Using our words for the right motive. To edify. To admonish. To build up. And uh, it's as choice silver. The purest of silver. And in Daniel chapter 2, he uses silver in describing a kingdom that would come after the Babylonian Empire. And we know that's the Medes and the Persians. So all through the scriptures, he uses silver to identify us with different truths and understanding of times and, and just uses in different ways. But then in Psalm 66, in verse 10, he says, For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. He uses silver as well as in our text, verse number 4 of Proverbs 25, and he likens us, his people, to silver. And so as God likens us to silver, that tells us several things, and I want us to uh, consider writing down four simple things this, this morning. And the first thing I want us to see this morning from verse number 4 of chapter 25, take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. I want you to see our value. I want us to understand and be reminded of our value before the Lord. Our value. You understand that we are valuable to God. We're valuable to Him. And oftentimes, people are so willing to live after the flesh and remove themselves from the influence of God's Word and God's people and get themselves into so much trouble and end up abusing their own bodies and abusing their minds and abusing the people around them because they don't understand the value that God has placed upon their lives. We're valuable to the Lord. In Luke chapter 12 and verse six, uh, verses 6 and 7, Jesus is speaking and he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Of all of the millions of sparrows that have come and gone, those that have died and fallen to the ground, not one of those sparrows have been forgotten by God. Does that mean that sparrows are important? They're important to the Lord, but God is making a point here when Jesus continues and says, 
but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I don't know about you, but I, don't, I never made a habit of getting up in the morning or going before I go to bed at night to go through my head count, my hair count. I never had a desire to do that. And uh, now, as I get older and, and I realize that I'm seeing more let go than I am seeing hang on as time goes on, and pastor gave comment to that, I think, a little while ago, but, you know, I have no desire to understand how many hairs I have on my head. And I don't know that God is that interested necessarily in all the hairs of our head and being numbered. But what he is trying to get across to us is our value as he continues and says, Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. God is trying to remind us and he shows us all through scripture with ways that he views us as his children. I think sometimes we have a distorted view of God and that distorts our relationship with God because we see God through our circumstances, our experiences. We interpret who God is outside of the word of God and based a lot of times on the way we feel about certain things and see certain things. But God gives us clear instruction throughout the scripture the way he looks at us, the way uh, that, that he thinks of us. As a matter of fact, in the book of Psalms, he reminds us that if he could number or if the thoughts uh, that he thought of us every day were to be counted, it's innumerable. God's mind is stayed upon his people. God thinks about you. There's nothing that happens in our lives that God doesn't know about, that God's not aware of. Uh, nothing ever just occurs to God. He knows and he is concerned. And he is concerned because of our value in him. And he seeing us as valuable children to him. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 6 that we are accepted in the beloved. He hath made us accepted in the beloved. And that beloved is the Lord Jesus Christ. So often we work so hard to be accepted, but I'm thankful that my performance is not what made me accepted before God. It wasn't my actions, it's not been my deeds, it's not the things that people would consider to be good that have made me or made you accepted in the beloved. The only way that you and I are accepted in the Lord, accepted by the God of heaven is because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did in our place. We are accepted because of the blood of Christ. We're accepted in, uh, in Christ and because of, of His sacrifice for us. We're accepted. Many people want to be accepted and perform and work. And so often we as Christians think that our acceptance with God and the, the, whether or not we please Him is based on how well and how hard we work and how much we serve. Too often we find our identity in what we do instead of our identity in who Christ has made us. And so we see our value. We're accepted. You understand that our relationship with God is secure? You understand that because of, of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that we are secure in Him. Romans 8.35 reminds us, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I've asked people this question before as I've 
preached and, and, and over years, and, and I've said this question, how many of you, and don't raise your hand, but how many of you feel that God is pleased with you? And oftentimes our minds run to our negatives, to our failures, to our weaknesses, to our disappointments. And I'm shocked at how many people I find, and I'm shocked in my own thinking of how displeased I feel that God is of me sometimes. But I want you to understand that He doesn't love you because of your goodness, and He doesn't cease to love you because of your weakness. He loves you, and He loves me because of who He is. And because that we have chosen to put our faith in Him, that's what pleases Him. And so as a result of that relationship, we're secure. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? I know folks that go through tribulation and hardship and they wonder if God still loves them. But I want you to understand that it is not your trial or your tribulation or your hardship that determines the depth of God's love. God loves you regardless of who you are and the way that you feel and the performance that you provide. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Absolutely not. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if you know Christ, you're secure in Him. You have security in that relationship that it will not be severed. But not only that, our lives are important. We're accepted and we're secure, but our lives are important to God. You remember Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that we are ambassadors of Christ. He gives us the privilege to represent Him to a lost world, to represent Him to children that we are raising and training, to represent Him to people that we get to teach. We have a privilege to represent Him and, and we are valuable to Him because we are important to His plan. We talked about in our Sunday school class this morning that the very, the, 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 the very thought of you and I having the privilege to be able to represent Christ and be a witness for Him and how He has chosen to use you and to use me to represent the greatest story that's ever been told in the history of mankind. And we have not only been commanded, but we have been enabled to be able to do it. Amen. We get to represent Him. Oh, it's not just a command that the Lord is holding over us and trying to guilt us into being witnesses. Oh, no, it's a privilege that we get to recognize who God is and have Him leading in our lives and then to be able to carry that message and talk to other people and be the tools that God uses to plant the seed of the gospel in the lives of other people. And that's all it takes is planting the seeds. We're ambassadors for Christ. And so we see our value. We're valuable to God. And no matter what's happened in your past, no matter what failures, no matter what sins, no matter what uh, issues, no matter what disappointments that you have faced and, and, and sins that you have chosen to be a part of and the things that sometimes the devil likes to bring up about your past to make you feel unworthy to strive to live and serve the Lord, that's the only reason he does it, is to keep his people, to keep God's people from serving him and impacting the lives of others. 
Somebody gave me a t-shirt when I first got saved, and, uh, and I'm not much into the, to the, to the t-shirts, but I like this one. It said, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. That's been paid for for me and for you if you know the Lord. He loves to bring up the past and he loves to, the devil loves to bring up those things and those mistakes and he even uses people sometimes to bring up those things of the past. But no matter what has happened in, it happened in your past, no matter what mistakes, no matter what failures you have, uh, have made, look, the only failure is the one who quits trying. The only, the only one uh, who sustains failure is the one who doesn't get back up and keep trying. No matter what disappointments you have faced, you are as a valuable jewel to the Lord. You're a precious child to Him. Your life is valuable. The potential that you have. And it doesn't matter what age you and I are, if, if we are still breathing, which most of us in here are, I think, Maybe a couple breathing a little louder than others. But if you're still breathing this morning, then listen, you've got potential to be used of God in a mighty way. And that's a wonderful thought, your potential and the wisdom that you've gained from all of these things, good and bad, positive and negative, that wisdom that you and I have gained, it's valuable to the Lord. He tells us that our physical bodies are valuable to Him. And that's why He gives us instruction to protect both the inside and the outside. He tells us our soul is valuable to him. The most valuable thing that can be given is the life of the Son of God, and he gave it for my soul and the souls of all mankind. He reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? What kind of value does that show that God places upon this physical life? That we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And I want us to be reminded this morning that we are valuable to Him. And I understand that as we go through struggles, that sometimes we have a difficult time thinking that we're valuable to anybody that we're valuable to our family, that, that we're valuable to the people with whom we work. We struggle sometimes with the thoughts of understanding our, our value. But when you and I begin to see and understand the way God sees us, boy, what encouragement that is. What strength that gives us. What help that provides for us. And you have something to offer. Every one of us. You say, but you don't understand, Brother Odom, you know, I keep messing up and I keep struggling with the same things over and over again. But may I suggest to you that a just man falleth seven times, yet riseth up again. And all God wants you to do is get up and try again. Get up and try again. My dad used to have a saying, and he said it to us all the time. I don't know where he got it. I thought he, I thought he made it up. Perhaps he did. Perhaps he didn't. But he would never let me and my brother say, I can't. He would say, can't, never could, son. And what he meant by that is that he's, he's not expecting me to be able to, to do and to live perfectly and to do everything, but he at least wanted me to try, and he didn't want me to give up. 
And there's a lot of God's people that Satan tries to discourage and cause you to give up. Why try anyway? I keep messing up. Well, as long as you keep trying, God's going to give you strength and wisdom and understanding to help you. And you'll get victory over it if you just won't quit. If you just won't stop. If you'll just keep getting up and responding to the Lord the right way. You young people have something to offer. You teenagers. What a great group of young people that are in our church. And I know they have their struggles. They have their issues. Go talk to my uncles about some of mine. No, don't. Never mind. Forget that one. But you know, God is full of grace. And he puts people in our lives that want to help us, want to encourage us, and want to instruct us. And we don't always respond to that properly, but it's there, and the, the seeds are planted. And Oh, listen, we've got something to offer. There are folks who have just recently put their faith in Christ. They've recently gotten saved, and... They wonder, what in the world can they do? Oh, my soul. The potential that you have to make an impact on the lives of others. Oh, I remember when I got saved, I, I called some of my buddies and I, I said, uh, look, I just want you to know I, I got saved and, and, uh, um, and I'm not going to do the things that, uh, that I used to do with you guys. Now, not everybody needs to do that, but I felt like I needed to personally. And uh, I thought everybody would be excited about that. I thought all my buddies would be real excited. They weren't nearly as excited as I thought they were going to be. Some of them scoffed and said, "Ah, so-and-so did that, you'll do the same thing. Others of them said, well, if that's what you want to do, you go right ahead, but I'm going to keep whatever. Well, I tell you what, I was excited. And listen, if you've recently come to know Christ and, and been saved in, in 2018, listen, you may not know as much as you want to know about the Bible. That comes as you, as you go day by day in the Word of God. You may not know all the things that you wish you knew and be able to speak like perhaps you've heard other people speak. But if you'll just tell people from a genuine heart how you met the Lord and how He changed your life, you'll be amazed at how God can use the value of that testimony to make an impact in somebody's life. Our value. But I want you also to notice number two, our dross. All of us have dross, don't we? And dross is defined as scum. Waste matter. Any worthless matter separated from the better part. God is saying here that there's some dross. There's some scum. There are some things that we, as we go through this life, accumulate to ourselves... There are some issues that we begin to have. There are some trials and some testings that come our way. And those things, those worthless things that attach themselves and become a part of our lives and a part of our maybe besetting sins and weaknesses, that's dross that needs to be separated. And he wants it separated because of the value of the silver. These are things that are hindrances. Things that keep you from doing or behaving as the Lord would have you to behave. Sins, of course, that we all struggle with. Weights, if you will. The writer of Hebrews tells us in verse 1 of chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such a cloud 
with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And the idea is, is that we're running a race for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we run that race by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we look to Him, but when we get our eyes off of Him and our desires on other things, then we begin to accumulate those weights upon us that hinder us in running that race. And all of us struggle with that. And he says, I've got to get the dross out. I've got to get the things that are not precious, that are not worth the value that's in the silver, that hinders that value. So how does he get rid of it? Well, Proverbs 17, 13 reminds us that the fining pot, the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. And there are many this morning whose hearts are tried, And the Lord is trying those hearts and the trying is similar to the finding pot or the furnace. In other words, sometimes God brings heat in our lives. He turns up perhaps the pressure. By the way, let me say that it's not because He enjoys uh, the struggles of God's people. He doesn't enjoy our struggles. He doesn't enjoy our pain that we sometimes suffer. He doesn't enjoy the hurt that we go through, but what He does delight in is our faithful response to Him. The Bible tells us that it pleased Him to bruise His Son. God wasn't pleased in the fact that, that Jesus was hurt and tortured and, and treated like a, like a criminal or worse than a criminal. What he was pleased with was the response and the obedience to the Son of God to be obedient to the plan that was set aside before the foundation of the world in order that all of men and women, boys and girls who were lost could come to know Christ as their Savior. He was pleased with the response of obedience and faithfulness to what he had been told of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not pleased with your hurting and, and our pain, but what he is pleased with is that you got up this morning and you came to the house of God. That you opened up the word of God and you tried to read it and you tried to, to get something from it. He's pleased that you tried to get on your knees or you sat in your recliner or you laid on your bed and you tried to pray when it was difficult to open your mouth and you didn't know exactly what to say. But he was pleased with the fact that you tried. Amen. And he's pleased with your response to him. But if we are going to be the vessels that God wants us to be, then he has to get rid of some of the dross. I was going through uh, college and a friend of ours worked in an aluminum plant. And in the summertime during the 4th of July, they closed the plant down for a week. And uh, they had to keep the furnaces going, but they, they closed it down for most of the employees. And they hired me and a couple others to come in and paint all of their uh, their caution lines and all of their walkways to stay at a certain place and so forth. And the man who I went to college with who worked there was there with me and, and showed me how it all worked with this aluminum. And they would take all of these different pieces of aluminum and put them in these, these furnaces. Of course, you've heard this, seen this perhaps, and, and heat it up. And, and as they turned up the heat, uh, the, the dross, the waste part, the part that... that uh, didn't, wasn't supposed to be a part of the aluminum and what they were planning to make with that. 
aluminum. The purifying process is what took place. And they would take these type of skimmers and that dross that floated to the top, that collected to the top, they would skim until that dross was gone. And sometimes they would reheat, but they would heat that to get the dross off. And sometimes God's people are, are under heat. We're under pressure. We're under hardship. And the first question that we sometimes ask is, why me? But I want to tell you why. The reason is, is because God is making a vessel. And listen, it's not, it's not the, the uh, being in the, the furnace, if you will, that makes the vessel, but it purifies the silver so that the finer can make a vessel for his glory. And so we understand that there's dross that must be uh, gotten rid of. And that's where a lot of Christians get discouraged or tempted with fainting and quitting. The Bible tells us to be not weary in well-doing. tells us that we shall reap if you faint not. Amen. Sometimes all you can do is get up and put one foot in front of the other. And you know what? God's pleased with that. Amen. And that's all he's asking as he's trying to purify us to be used for his glory. Don't misunderstand what's happening. God loves us. We are valuable to him. But there are dross that we attach ourselves to and that attaches to us from time to time as we go through life. And he is bringing that dross to the top so he can reveal it to us what those things are and having us and helping us to remove it. Why? Because he's trying to create and, and continue to mold us into a vessel for him. Which brings us to number three. Let's look at the vessel. God's just simply trying to get rid of some of the dross so he can bring forth a vessel. Young people, God puts preachers in your lives and, and, and teachers in your life and obviously your parents in your life to guide your steps along the way and to reveal to you and show you things that will hinder you and, and, and hurt you and they're placed there by God to help you become more usable for his kingdom, more valuable to the people around you. For the cause of Christ. Definition of a vessel is very oversimplified here, but it's something meant to hold substance or it's an instrument to be used. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 tells us, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified or set aside, set apart, and meet or enabled for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Don't you want your lives to be used for a good work for the Lord Jesus? And for that to happen, for us to be a vessel of honor, set aside for his, for his work, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every... Look, that struggle and that hardship and that trial that you are in the midst of right now is preparing you for a good work that's going to impact the lives of people that you touch. 
And there are things that you and I go through in our lives that there is no other way to influence people for the cause of Christ without struggle and without hardship. God wants to fill us. He wants to use us as vessels. But he has to remove some dross so that he can use us. It's kind of like spring cleaning in your garage or in our case, well, I was going to say in our basement and it wouldn't be spring cleaning. We haven't lived there in the spring yet. But we enjoy the parsonage. It's kind of like that spring cleaning though. You see all that stuff in the attic or all that stuff in the basement or all that stuff in the garage and you really don't want to get rid of it, but you know it takes up space and you got to get it out of there. And there are things in our lives that we don't really want to get rid of, but we understand that it takes up space and it hinders us from being all that we can be for God. God is ridding us of the things that hinder our usage. They may not be sinful things. They may be weights. They may be hindrances. But, and it may be sometimes uncomfortable and even painful. But realize God Almighty is trying to make a vessel for the finer. And I want us to look at that lastly. The finer. As God turns us into vessels and uses and molds us throughout our lives to be used for Him and to impact the lives of others. Throughout the rest of our Christian lives, he refines, he, he hones, he perfects us in order to use us in particular areas of his will. There are people that because of your struggles, you can reach an influence that I couldn't. And there are people that perhaps I can influence because of my struggles and hardships and things that, that maybe you wouldn't be able to influence. But I want you to understand God's got a specific purpose for how he is molding us into what vessel he is molding us into. But how does he do it? By tenderly and carefully placing us under the exact amount of heat that it takes to mold us a little more into his image and his will. Now you remember in Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God is conforming us through this life into the image of Christ because there's no other way that people are going to see Christ except through you and through me as we share his word. It's like a sculptor cutting and clipping away and chipping away at the desired until the desired image comes forth. It starts off as a, as a block and that sculptor knows exactly what that block of rock is supposed to be and he begins to work on it. And it's not pleasant if the, if the stone or if the rock could speak and if it could feel, it would testify that it's not pleasant all the time to go through that. Uh, the, the, the potter takes the clay and he molds that clay and you understand that the potter is God and, and we are the clay and he takes that clay and he, he molds it and he fashions it into the image of Christ. That's exactly what God is doing in our lives. And so he tells us, take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. God is our finer. We are valuable to Him. He wants to use us. 
And so he reveals our dross and helps us get it removed. And as he uses us, he continues to apply heat and mold us into beautiful vessels. So the more heat you get, the more valuable you become. As I look across the room this morning, there's a lot of valuable people in this room. Because you're going through the heat and have and are continuing to. Some go through the struggle and the pressure because of loved ones who are struggling and going through it. The psalmist reminds us in the rest of those verses in Psalm 66, he says, For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. And that wealthy place is on the horizon. That wealthy place, the word wealthy means saturation. A running over that as we continue to respond in the proper attitude as best we can to the Lord and to His sovereignty and providence in our lives, He brings us out into a wealthy place, a satisfying place. None of us who have gone through struggles that would, would ever desire to go through a struggle I certainly don't want to bring self-inflicted wounds upon my, myself because of disobedience or sin, but the struggles that come to help us be molded into the image of Christ help us to understand and appreciate that wealthy place. There have opportunities been given to you in your struggle that you wouldn't have had any other way. There's vision of God and an understanding of who He is in a deeper way because of your hurt and your tears and your struggle. And by the way, you're not the only one who struggles. I know Satan likes to try to convince us that we're all alone. But we look around and we know we're not. Because Christ is forming, or because God is forming Christ in all of us. He wants to make vessels of us for His glory. He said, well, what in the world am I supposed to do? Trust the finer. Trust Him. Don't try to scheme and get out of it and make it shorter than it ought to be. I remember Curtis Hudson when he found out he had cancer and he decided that he, didn't, he wasn't going to take the the. the, the chemo treatments. That was a personal decision that he had made and <clears throat> things have certainly advanced since then. But uh, I remember him praying with the student body and saying, Lord, don't bring me out of this trial until I become the fullness of what you want me to be. You talk about a right response. 
And our response to God should be to trust the finer. Be faithful to the finer. Hey, this is not a time to give in. It's not a time to give up. It's not a time to stop. You may not be able to do what you would like to do or what you have done, but you can put one foot in front of the other. You can call out to God, and even when you don't know what to say, you've got the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ to intercede for you. But may I encourage you, don't give up. And don't quit. Be faithful to the finer and determined to use your hardships to glorify the finer and to help others. Oh God, you may say, I don't know why these weights and the heaviness is upon me, but I know it's for your glory. And I'm determined in my heart to use it for you. I remember, and I'll end with this, I remember my pastor from years ago told a story when he was a kid growing up and watching his mother uh, sit in her chair and do this, this needlework with the piece of material and the different colored threads and, and uh, that round piece of wood that kind of holds it all together. And, and he would sit at her feet as a little boy and, and uh, watch her do that. And she would seem to be just as content as she possibly could be. <clears throat> he would look up at it and you know how it looks from the backside with all those different colors just kind of all stranded together and no form and no fashion and it just looks like a mess. And he asked his mom one day, he said, Mom, what, what, are, you, what are you making? And she replied to him, oh, this is a, it's a, it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. It, it'll be a beautiful, beautiful picture. And he said, well, Mom, looking at it from down here, it just... This looks like a mess. And she said, well, son, why don't you come up here and sit on my lap and see it from this view, from this perspective. And he saw the picture and saw the beauty of that picture and thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. You know, we get to thinking about our own lives and we look up to God and we say, God, it just is a mess. I don't even know what it all means and I don't know how to figure it all out and it's just a mess. It hurts and it's hard to keep my mind and my attitude right. Oh God, help me. Why? What is, what is it you're trying to make? I don't see anything but a mess. And there are times where God allows this we get to see it from His perspective where we Get to sit on his proverbial lap, if you will, and realize the beauty of what he is, of the image that he is trying to mold us into. Oh, what rejoicing there will be in heaven when we get there and we finally remember or recognize, rather, and are shown what it's all about. And how God used it. What a wonderful encouragement that is to look forward to. And so as a result, let's keep on for God. New Year's right around the corner. Let's keep putting one foot in front of the other. Let's, let's keep trying to open up the Bible and reading it. Let's, let's keep trying to talk to God and bear our hearts before Him. 
And you never know, but that that special purpose that God has planned for you, the influence of people, may take place this next year because you were faithful. And there's a lot of things that you and I can't do, but all of us can be faithful to the Lord. And whether you're faithful to Him or not, aren't you glad He's going to be faithful to you and me? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.